we're going to do, I'm, I'm just jumping into just a, a, a two-part mini-series as we launch out into this new school year. We tend to think of years, not January to December, but more August to uh, July, just because we live in this world of caring for kids. And so I wanted to just take a couple of weeks to dive in on uh, what it means to be us. And so starting a new series called Squad Goals. Now, here's my question. How many of you played a team sport in junior high or high school when you were growing up? Team sport. Team sports? Okay. I love team sport. Uh, it's, it's, and it was so fun to get to do and be a part of those kinds of things. But the best part of team sports was getting to run out of the tunnel or run out of the uh, of the dressing room right before the thing begins because right it's you're full of anticipation and you're like you get in you guys remember you get into the you're in the locker room and the coach is like giving you he's amping you up and if you're at least the boys' teams, you're like smashing each other's faces, just trying to get amped up, right? Getting excited. And then you're ready to run out. And if you're, you know, in football or whatever, you're like running through the, 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 the thing that, what's the, the banner that the cheerleaders took 37 hours to put together? <laughs> and then you smash it in 0.2 seconds as you run out. And there's just all this anticipation and you're like this group of guys, group of gals ready to like take on the world. It's like the most, one of the most exhilarating feelings. And we love that thought of like the walkout, right? And that, that idea of the walkout with your people is like that. We love that's perpetuated in all kinds of ways, just even in our culture. This idea of like being linked in arms. We'll see this all the time. Like uh, some of the great movies, right? Tombstone. You got these guys walking out together, right? And they're like, it's time to take care of the bad guys at the OK Corral. And it's like the walkout. They're coming together. And then like the guys are gonna save the planet on, in Armageddon. Like they're just the, that walkout, that moment where they're walking out and the president's doing his speech. And it's like, yeah, like these guys, they're, they're together and they're gonna do this mission together. And then you have like things like uh, the next one, Pride and Prejudice, the gals walking out together. No, I was just trying to make sure I got across the spectrum here of movies. I just, if you weren't into the other, just Elizabeth and Jane. So, all right, okay. Anyway, you got your squad, you got your people, and these are your people, and you're walking together, and we love to see it, and Hollywood keeps doing it over and over and over. Why do they do that? Because deep down, every one of us wants to be connected to a group of people leading a charge. We want to be a part of something like that. We loved it in junior high. We love it in the movies. The truth is, it's something that's been ingrained in us by the king of the universe. We were meant to be linked in arms together. You want to have a group of people that you know somebody's got your back, that you can confront each other when it's necessary, right? That you can walk out with a group of friends through fire, even if you have to, but you know that you're together in it, that you can somehow maybe affect change when you come together, that you know and understand that when you're together, that the sum of your parts is not just these little equal things, but you get to multiply the effect that you have by coming together. There's something special. Your life is better with a squad. Our lives are better with a squad. A group of people were linked together. 
Maybe you don't see these people every day, but you know that they are with you and they're for you, that they're ready to run ahead. Because listen, you can have a group of friends, and that's great, but it's different to have a group of people because the best squads are the ones that live with a mission. The best squads are the ones that are not just showing up every once in a while, but the ones that are trying to accomplish something together where you feel bound together for a greater purpose than just yourself. Man, that is living. That's living. And even the world will taste that. That's how ingrained this is in the DNA. As the image bearers of the king of the universe, this thing is ingrained in us. And so This is what we get to see actually being unfolded all throughout the scripture. This morning, I want to point us to Luke chapter 10. If you will, grab your Bibles. I want everyone to have a Bible in their hands. If you came here this morning, you didn't have one. There should be one under the chair in front of you. Uh, If you guys that are joining us online, make sure you have a Bible in your hands just so you can see the word of God for yourself as we do this together. There's something truly special when people not just become friends, but when they become friends for a purpose, with a mission. And this is what we get to see unfolding in a fresh way in Luke chapter 10. Now, let me just back it up real quick. In chapter 9, Jesus has named the 12 disciples. He's named his 12 followers, and he's got them doing ministry. These guys are the inner circle guys, the ones that Jesus is truly linked in arms with, and they're following him from beginning to end of his ministry to walk through and understand and know his call on their lives. But then Jesus does something really funny. Luke chapter 10, he turns away from just the 12. And look in verse one. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. Then he gives just a strong encouragement. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, there's a ton to unpack here, but I think one of the most important things to be able to see right here in this text is you cannot think for two seconds that the power and the authority and the calling of God is limited to professional Christians. That it's limited to the clergy or the pastors or the bishops or the fathers or nuns or whatever. Nope. This call, this family, this power, this authority is for everyone. That's what we're seeing here is Jesus Christ not just taking the elite We're not even just talking about the 12 here. He's grabbing a whole bunch of people. These are normal guys every day to be sent out. Every Christian person, every follower of Jesus is on mission. Every one of us. We're meant to be sent. I love, I was just, as I was looking into this passage, this number 72, this number, the idea of 70 is this 
picture of completion. The round number 70 is a significant number. Actually, in the Bible, there's 70 who go down to Egypt and become the basis for the whole nation of Israel. There are, in Genesis chapter 10, there's a list of all the Gentile nations of the world. You know what the number is? 70. The point is this, completion. You want to ask the question, why did Jesus send out this 70, 72 out at this point? It's because he's saying, I want the whole realm to go out. I want the whole people. We're seeing Jesus Christ look past just what you might call the elites, and he's taking everybody. This is the bigger principle. Here's what he's doing. The bigger principle is this. God's never, ever going to bring somebody into his family, into his grace, into his blessing without the express purpose of sending them out. He's not looking to just gather a family unto himself. He wants a family that's also going out to bring people in. He wants people in his family and he wants his family with their arms wide open, ready to bring people in. We see this over and over and over again. When God calls someone in, then he sends them out. This is what he does with Abraham. Calls Abraham in, makes a covenant. What does he say? I want you to go out, and it's actually through you I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. I want to go out. This is when he calls Moses in, right? There's a burning bush, and he beckons him, and he calls him into this place of intimacy with him, builds him up, and then what does he say? Go out and release my people, release captives. It's what we see with Isaiah, calling Isaiah in. Isaiah is brought into the inner court. He's so undone. God takes a coal from the altar, cleanses his life. And what is Isaiah's response in that moment when he's been brought in? Here I am, Lord, send me. The point of being called into the family is to then be sent out to make a difference. This is the call, and we get to see it over and over. This thing that we call Christianity or being a follower of Jesus is so much more than fire insurance. It's more than just, I got to make sure I anchor my spot for the day to come. There's more to it than that. This call to Jesus is a partnership, linked up, being linked up with him. It's all of us together that we're meant to be a squad, but not just a squad, a squad on mission and not just a squad on mission. But here is what we get to see, at least in this in this text is we're not just a squad on mission, but hear this church. This is the important part. We're a squad on mission with power, with power, with authority. And I, I just have to be honest that even as I was putting this together and trying to unpack what's happening in this text, I I felt that weight on my soul asking that question, how much am I thinking of functioning in power and authority, the true power and authority that's actually granted by being linked up and in partnership with the Son of God? That, that, That we have access to this kind of power that is so far beyond us And he's wanting to give it to us. We see this call here. Look at verse 17. You can jump down. Look at what it says. It says, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. 
And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And we aren't just, here, I want to hear this, we're not just being sent to do a job. We're being given authority by the king of the universe to shift the supernatural realms. That's the call to come in to relationship with Jesus and to see things change, see things shift. And he's got these regular Joes. That's what I want to call them. They're just the regular Joes. And they're, they're overjoyed with this new authority that they've been given. And what's great is regular Joes, when they're functioning in that kind of authority, they know, what, they know one thing. It's sure not what I'm, it's not because of me. It's not because of anything I've done, right? This, and of course, this is what becomes so disruptive about Jesus in general. This is what's so disruptive is that the religious elites are looking at them going, that, that lady sells chickpeas. That guy's a farmer. This, this guy over here, this, he trades clothing or sandals or whatever. He's looking at these normal people going, they don't have any business having this kind of authority. And the religious elites couldn't stand it. And Jesus is saying, no, I, I'm not looking for religious elites. I'm just looking for regular people, people that walk in my authority and power. That's what I want to do. This is, this is the mode of ministry that I want. I just want normal, everyday people. And I want to empower them by my spirit. And I want to change the earth with them. And it just comes down to a willingness to just believe, could you do that in me? Could you do that with me? Not looking for the theologically trained. And even this group here, it's not even the 12 disciples. It's just regular people that just believed him enough, believed his words enough to go out and say, okay, you've given us authority. We're just gonna take a step. I would love to see us as a church just taking more and more steps to believe God to change the, the spiritual atmosphere of our city to believe that even from this tiny church that we could begin to touch the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus is basically saying to the simplest, humblest follower, go together and be on mission. Let your life count for something. He's saying that when you go and sit down with someone and share your life or share the truth of Jesus or when you involve yourself in someone's life who's going through that hardship or you uh, hold the hand of someone that's hurting or you give that cup of what the scripture calls the cup of cold water, just the small thing in the name of the Lord or when you feed someone who's hungry, you're not doing that like anybody else. And there's lots of people that want to do good things, but the way in which we do that is not like anyone else. The way we do that is in the name of Jesus and it has authority and power to change, to transform. If we believe by faith that that's what he wants to do, means that I've sent you to do it. That my power is gonna come into a person's life through you. That my life will come 
and change and transform someone through you, that my love will come through your love. That my goodness will come through your goodness. That my act of serving the, the world will come through your act of serving. That's what this partnership actually means. I was reading uh, through this and I, I was um, jolted by <clears throat> the scripture in Ephesians 2, 17, where Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus and he is saying that here's all these things that Jesus did. And he says, Jesus came to you and he preached to you peace. And then you have to just step back and go, Jesus never preached to the people of Ephesus ever once. He never did it. What was Paul saying when he said Jesus came and preached to you? What he was saying is every time all the brothers came and shared the love of Jesus with the people of Ephesus, it was Jesus doing it. It was the son of God going before them through us. It's a powerful picture. But when these guys come back, they're astonished by this authority. And Jesus says something here that ought to just, man, like anchor us. And I've, I love how, uh, as I was studying, Tim Keller paraphrases what Jesus says to these guys in this moment when he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Here's how Tim Keller paraphrases. I'll put it up on the screen for you. He's saying that Jesus is going, dear friends, I once knew someone who was far more holy and far more beautiful and far nobler. I once knew somebody greater than you, but he made a mistake you're about to make and it set his soul on fire. His destruction was cataclysmic. Now, I don't want you to make that same mistake. I'm gonna give you the secret of real spiritual power. Because you're about to misunderstand the power I've given you, real spiritual power that enriches and does not destroy. The real spiritual power is not in what we do. It's in who we belong to. It's who we belong to. It's the reason we can minister. It's not because of what we do. It's because of who we are. Who owns us? Who covers us and brings us into his family and makes us new creations and sends us out? I just love Jesus' heart here to say, I love that you're on mission and walking through fire and you have all this, these realms of authority, but never, ever, 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 ever forget what's most and nearest and dearest to my heart. I want people in my family. I want your names in my book. That's what I care about. That's what I want. That's my heart cry. That's my heart drive. All the reason for which we serve and give and do and minister, the reason we're on mission together is so more names, people are brought into the family of Jesus. And so our rejoicing is not in the power that we carry because it's not our authority and it's not in our power. It's his. Our rejoicing is in him who he is. We don't rejoice in the, the things external. We rejoice that he knows our name. And that's our power for moving forward. 
Not because we say we walk in this power, this power, this authority, or that authority, or we got this person elected or that person elected. That means nothing. It's names written in his book. And if you're here and you've confessed your need for Jesus and that you understand you're broken apart from him, and if you've declared you need his righteousness to cover you, to have access with him, if you're in that place, then church, you're, the, you're in his family and you have purpose and design. And if you're here or you're joining us online and you have not made that confession, and you have not asked Jesus to come and cleanse you of sin or to make you whole and to set you apart and to give you his righteousness. If you've not done that, you need to hear this. He wants you in his family. He wants you in his family. What he cares about most is that your name is in his book for eternity. This is what he wants. He wants to bring us together because he knows there's so much power in partnership with him. Partnership with Jesus and partnership with each other. So much that he wants to do. And the point is, why does he want us in this partnership? Because we live on mission. We live on that mission to serve others so that they might know him deeper. That's why we're here. It's the whole point of why we're here. Whatever job you have, it's about this. You, might be, you stay at home mom, your life is about this. Your CEO, your life is about this. Your sphere of influence, the people that you connect with, or the people around the circle, your inner circle, the outer circle, realms of authority and influence that you have. Listen, it's all about this. It's all about this. That's the aim. And so that's what we want. If this is his heart, then that's what we want. It's our desire. And so that's the question. What are our squad goals? What does it mean to step out like this? That the aim of this church has to make its aim to be about bringing people into his family. This is what our lives are about. It's more than just a program. It's about who we are and what we do. And the way that we do this is by linking arms with each other and saying, hey, I got your back. I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna run together. We're gonna run after each other. And so here's a couple core questions and we'll start to wrap this thing up. One, who's your squad? Who's in your squad? Who are your people? We come together, you know, we come together very purposefully to ask this question in this church. Who are the people you're gonna run with to link arms with? We, we, we gather up in semesters. Each semester just saying, fresh and new, God, what's your call in my life and who, who am I gonna run with? Who's your squad? Who are the people that you're gonna link up with this semester to challenge each other and encourage each other? I do wanna just encourage you. I know we put uh, those uh, uh, handouts in the, uh, in, in the chairs, but he, I want you to hear this. We don't do groups so that we can say we have a cool group program. What we believe is that God has design and purpose for you over these next few months. And there's a really important question that you've got to ask yourself. Who are my people that I'm going to run with? Who are the people that I'm going to come together with and say, Lord, make me fresh and new. Give me fresh vision. Who are we walking with to say, let's take this mountain together? 
This is an important question for every person. The way that we do that here is through these groups, but I just wanna say the most important thing is to begin to ask that question. Lord, how, who, are, who are the people that I'm gonna come alongside to, to see transformation take place? Because that's what we're going after. We're going after people to come in his family. We wanna be growing together and encouraging each other and speaking life over each other and challenging each other and crying with each other on the hard days and lifting each other. All the things that come from being a part of a squad. It's what we do. Challenging each other, it's important. But the second question is this. Let's consider the mission and just begin to ask the question. You've, you've been uniquely placed. I'm looking at whatever the hundred or so people that are here with us this morning. Listen, you've been uniquely placed around people in places that I'll never go. You've been uniquely placed around people in places that I will never see or talk to in my entire life. Entire life. Ever. Because this thing called the kingdom of God was never meant to be about pastors and preachers. It was actually meant to be about all of us. So who's your squad? Who are your, I'm sorry, who, you know who your squad is? Who are you serving? Where are you running? Who are your people that you're pouring out into? I just feel so deeply thankful for the, those that even this, um, uh, as I look at a lot of you that are a part of our church here, that you just laying your lives down, serving and worship ministry and kids ministry and making coffee and welcoming people through the door and just ways that you're using your gifts, talents, time, energy, and effort just to pour out. We love being able to do that here. In fact, I want everyone, if you're a part of our church, to be a part of one of our serve teams, getting a chance just to let the life of God flow through you. But at the same time, there's a whole world out there and you're around those people. You got neighbors. You got neighbors. And it's just so important for every one of us just to ask this question. Lord, what's your aim in my life for the next three or four months? Lord, how, how, where are you asking me to make a difference? Just where are you asking me to press into just to bless? Might be just a way to serve this is what's beautiful. The Lord's gonna give you different ways to minister and to encourage and bless. But let me tell you, the most important thing is that we're reaching out. We're thinking about this mission that God's got for each one of us. We wanna be that kind of a church. In fact, we as a church have chosen to link arms with several organizations here in the area. And, and uh, we like to, we'll share this from time to time. We don't always talk about it, but we tithe out as a church so that, uh, meaning this, that everything that uh, as you give unto the Lord as act of worship that comes in here, we tithe out to missions and outreach, which means 10% of everything that comes in goes out to reaching people. And we have partnerships that we do with uh, several uh, organizations that are in the area that are seeking to make a difference in the lives of people. I just wanted to highlight a few of our 2021 Local partners, we have Elijah's Heart with, some of you will know Papa Joe Bradford, know his name, or Family Affair, Pastor Glenda Sutton. Both these ministries up in Nashville are reaching out to those that are underserved, that have needs, lots of minority communities, and they're ministering and sharing the gospel and helping people with all kinds of needs in the city. I'm so thankful for the partnership that we've had with them. One of the uh, encouragement that actually commands over the church is to care for the orphan and the widow. We love our partnership with Tennessee Kids Belong. 
So we have a partnership. We give regularly and monthly to Tennessee Kids Belong, and their aim is to grab all those that do not have homes, orphans, and those that are in foster care, and connect them to families. And so we love this partnership we have with them. We're looking to continue to even increase, but just want you to know we have these partnerships here in this church because we care about these ministries, and we believe in what they're doing, and we're so thankful for the ministry that they're doing. And of course, as we've mentioned this morning, we have GraceWorks as well which is a ministry to those that are underserved or have need here in the Williamson County area. And again, as, as Lindsay mentioned earlier, for the entire month of August, we're gathering and collecting food items here for those that are in need. And so we wanna just partner with them and say, yes, Lord, we wanna be on mission. We want our lives to count. We want to begin to make a difference in the lives of people. And so church, this is the call on us. Will we live on mission? Who's your squad and what's your mission? Who's your squad and what's your mission? Well, I'm gonna take a minute. I'm gonna ask our team to come up and we're just gonna give you everyone an opportunity to pray through this and just begin to ask the Lord just for his direction this morning. So if you will, just pray with me. In fact, um, if it's helpful for you to have something to write down, if the Lord speaks to you, I'd love for you to be able to write it down, but we're just gonna take a moment here just to ask the Lord. Father, as we just begin to close this morning, I thank you, God, that you're faithful and you're here and that you've got call on our lives and you've got a people. Even the 72 that you sent out, you sent them out two by twos. You never sent them out alone. They were meant to be linked up. And so, Lord, would you just begin to, uh, as we inquire of you, would you just show us who's our squad? Who are our people that we want to run with? Who are the people we're supposed to be encouraging on a regular basis? Would you just ask him that question? He may put some people in mind. Some of you are new to our church. You're going, I don't know anyone in this church yet. So Lord, would you just highlight who we're supposed to be running with? Some of you got, you got your squad of your family on the inside. You just want to make sure right now, I just want to speak this. Your first and foremost squad are the people that you're living with there in your home. And you're meant to be living on mission together as a family. Thinking about how you can serve and bless and minister. but you have your spiritual family as well. And I just ask, Lord, that you just begin to reveal right now the spiritual family that you're bringing together. Some of you are called to just run with a few women this semester, come together, link arms to pray and cover each other. Maybe just a few men. Or maybe there's three or four families. You guys are supposed to connect together, link up and just say, Lord, how can we run together? How can we make a difference? How can we encourage each other and speak life? Lord, would you just show us? Would you just ask him? And then let's just ask him this, Lord, 
how can I be on mission in this city just to bless and to love people, to encourage, to bring the cup of cold water in the name of the Lord. Ways that we can bless and ways that we can honor. Would you just highlight someone to us right now? Some, maybe it's a people group. Lord might even be showing you just a group of people and you feels like, like it's impossible without you. I don't know how you're gonna encourage or touch or bless these people, but I want to. Where's my mission, Lord? just before we finish in worship this morning, I feel like I'm supposed to confront the lie uh, that you cannot make a difference, that the enemy's whispering in your ear, well, I've got too many issues, I'm too messed up, or I've failed too many times, or I'm an introvert and I don't, I don't like to talk. Whatever the thing is, where the enemy's trying to tell you, you cannot make a difference or you can't live on mission because you've not done X, Y, or Z because your life has been a shambles for the last six months, whatever it is, where the enemy would come and lie to you. Let's just confront that right now in Jesus' name. You tell that lie to go back to hell where it came from. And you say, Jesus, would you fill me with your truth? What do you say about my life? What do you say about me? and your call on my life right now. God, would you replace right now by the Holy Spirit the lie of the enemy with the truth of the word of Jesus. I thank you that I'm looking at radical followers of Jesus right now who are meant to make a difference. That by the very fact that they're taking lungs into their breath, uh, breath into their lungs right now, that they are meant to shift the spiritual atmosphere over our city, through our businesses, through our relationships, through our connections, through our schools. I'm blessing our students right now to make a difference. You students, you're, you're in the position to make the greatest difference among your peers, to believe that God can empower you to, to be leaders in your school, leaders even for your teachers. I thank you, Lord. And then would you just pray right now, finally, that God would make our church a blazing light of goodness in this city, that we would love this city well, that God would show us the places we're supposed to put our hand to together as a family. We're looking and asking God for places and ways we're meant to serve as a church family together. And so, Lord, would you show and would you reveal and would you release that over us? Would you make us a reaching church? Would you make us a life-giving church? Would you make us an encouraging church? Would you make us a serving church? I pray that this place would be a place where people can come into your family and have their name written in your book. I pray and ask God that you would come and show yourself 
through us, Lord, that, that we would be Jesus to this city, that we would be Jesus to our neighbors, that we would be Jesus with this organizations that we're partnered with. God, that we could be Jesus wherever we go as a church, collectively, you're building something beautiful here, God. We thank you for ministering in us and through us, Lord. Make us a church that is alive and vital to the ministry that you have. God, you see Franklin, Tennessee. You see Spring Hill and Brentwood and Nashville. You see Columbia. You see these cities. You care for them. Lord, send us out. Make us worshipers. Make us followers, obedient leaders in your name. You guys stand. Let's worship and just say, God, it's your breath in our lungs, and we're asking you to do what only you can do.